Now what will it be? Death or exile? And you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone Or the times they are a-changing Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the times they are indeed a-changing. Welcome to this Film Exiles release, the Snyder Cut, two-year anniversary celebration. Uh, throughout the next couple of hours, we'll be taking a walk down memory lane. We'll be having lots of exciting stuff for you to celebrate the release of the Snyder Cut movement. We're going to have a bunch of interviews with some of the most integral members of the movement over these last two years. Um, they're going to share their own personal experiences of the movement. There's a lot of people who I would have loved to interview for this podcast. Um, and it's no slight on anyone who wasn't... Uh, invited to participate we just wanted to focus on people who don't really have their own platforms so for example people like chris wong have been incredibly important to the movement over the last two years but he has his own great youtube channel and i'd encourage everybody to search for him and others um to to hear their views and their experiences uh, on the snyder cup movement our plan here was to focus on those who don't really have a platform and to celebrate their mostly silent contributions so who better to join me in this endeavor than my friend lupe and while he'll deny it um especially in the early years he was amongst the most important people in this whole thing. I don't know if he knows this, but in my early conversations with Fiona, and before I even knew him, she used to tell me uh, that Lupe is her most important person. Those, her, those were her words. She wanted to give him credit all the time publicly, but he always demanded that he stayed in the shadows. She told me that whilst while she accepted her role um, and responsibility of being kind of a face of the movement, which she definitely was, um, every decision she ever made, Lupe had his hand in it. Going forward in recent times, um, he is someone that I have bounced ideas off and have had long in-depth discussions with about strategy uh, and so many other things about getting this film which we all want so here he is my friend the main man Lupe <laughs> well um I mean thanks for that introduction it's I'm dark-skinned but if you could see I'm blushing <laughs> right now um I'm just I'm glad to be you know part of this movement I'm glad to be part of this fandom at the end of the day the way I look at the whole thing is that we're doing it for something greater than each one of us. And that's why it's so powerful. That's why it's so strong. That's why a lot of people have taken positively to it. Even people who, you know, were on the opposite side and were naysayers because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about any one of us. But, you know, today is about celebrating us because after a lot of hard work, it's only human and it's only good to, you know, gather around and tell our stories and, you know, have an appreciation 
for all the heart and soul that we've we've put into it. So I'm really excited to you know share this moment with everyone, every single person the Snyder Cut. Like let's let's be happy and let's celebrate. So let's go. Let's go, right? So where did this all begin? That's, that's, a, that's a very difficult point. It's an epic of, saga. Yeah, to find to find and pinpoint the the beginning, but I think one of the seminal moments um, was perhaps the the media backlash. Um, not even media, new media backlash uh, towards Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice. Um, and we must say that. It kind of started even before the film came out. I'd say in the run-up to the film, probably half a year before the film Mm -hmm, came out, mm -hmm. we all started to notice this strange antagonism towards it. It was coming out of nowhere and it was coming from everywhere at the same time. Do you remember that there was this algorithm that predicted that it was like a scientist said oh i've come up with a new algorithm that's going to predict what films are going to be box office bombs and box office flops and batman v superman is going to be a box office bomb and all of a sudden the algorithm never surfaced again it was like he was created just for bbs oh man there, there was a lot of um craziness in in those days my brief memories were in the days after specifically seeing a lot of um, identical tweets from millions, <laughs> it felt like millions of accounts saying the exact same thing verbatim. And then a few months later, all of those accounts disappearing into thin air, all of those tweets non existent. Um, I find it very strange for me. Uh, I didn't really follow film discussion online. I've always been a film fan, but always just kept to my own opinions, never read reviews or anything like that. But in the run-up to Batman v Superman, you know, seeing the trailers, you get, like, um, recommended videos, and I was so excited for this film. I thought, okay, I'll click on that video, and, you know, as a fan, you kind of get drawn into all of this stuff. And it was very strange that there was just this kind of team negativity, let's say. It was like a a pack of wolves circling um, their prey. It was very strange that you would have many outlets online um, who I'd never heard of before, but, I mean, I'm sure a lot of of the listeners have. Um, Outlets like birth, death movies, outlets like <clears throat> Slash Film, outlets like Collider, um, screen, junkies. screen Junkies, yes. I, I mean, it's it's not in my style to sort of name transgressors, but at the same time, we do have to remember the role that they played in all of this, the role that they played in sabotaging the best efforts of artists and creators and people who had dreams and hopes and you know wanted to tell these stories and the role that they had in making marvel this invasive force yeah that just took over all of cinema because all these media outlets made sure they decimated the competition And, and at the time i'll be honest i quite enjoyed all of the marvel movies um they were 
actually pretty decent in terms of quality back then. I remember enjoying Iron Man, um, Captain America. I thoroughly enjoyed those films. Um, but I did find it very strange why um, you would get these kind of... Uh, Pitting the two against each other, just hyperbolic. It was, yeah, it was very rhetoric. silly. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, we we got Batman v Superman. Um, I loved the film. Same um, here. One of my top three films of all time. It's it's, it's an same. incredible film. Um, I love it to this day. Then after we got more hyperbole, and that resulted in um, a demand for rewrites to the film and the vision going forward. So we know that the film went into production and the film completed its principal photography. Under a new head of DC. Yeah. And a new president of Warner Brothers. Correct. We're going to fast forward a few months and we got some terribly upsetting news um, not even from a film perspective but from a, from a human perspective um, Zach and Debbie um, lost their child and I'm not a parent so I don't know but I have had loss in my life and from not so tragic circumstances and anyone who's felt any form of loss can empathize to lose someone in the circumstances they did, I don't really have the words because I, I can't put myself in that position. I've never had to endure what they've endured. Um, the result was that we got the news that Zach was stepping away from the film. And that resulted in a series of questionable events. Um, I remember it like I remember it like it was yesterday, because after BVS, we defended that movie so strongly because we felt so strongly about. As I said, it's in my it's one of my top three films of all time, and you know I felt personally that this sort of film film and this sort of storytelling deserved to have its place it's okay for marvel films to exist and do whatever they do and for all the people that like them more power to you but i remember that we were very excited for justice league you know and one thing that zach is so good at when he was making you know his films is he would just drop a picture and the internet will break he would drop a picture of like aquaman in his costume or like a flash costume or some production stealer and he used to do this like periodically so we'd come to expect this sort of tasty morsels of hype <laughs> like this dude is like the hype master yeah. you know what i'm saying and so it was kind of we we felt like it was coming up on the time. You could just feel it in the air, you know. You know how you can feel the, well, the he, he a storm did, coming he, he, with the, a change in, in in air temperature. Yeah, he, he did post um, when he was in post production. He was posting, uh, for example, Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot doing yeah, ADR. Yeah, he posted the visual effects being being uh, yeah, on all that all that stuff is getting so, people hyped. Yeah, so you know, it was it, it was feeling it, we were in that sort of mood. Yeah, we were Ex very upbeat. Yeah, we were very, very happy, upbeat yeah. and very happy. And then, all of a sudden, I just see the 
news come across the timeline, I just it, it hits you from all angles because the first thing that you're that you can't believe and hits you is the loss of a ch- child. Like what? Like obviously there are no warning signs for these things. It just tragedies like this just happened out of nowhere, and it was so hard to believe. It, it felt surreal, and obviously. The loss of life is the most important thing, but a lot of people also don't understand that when you work very hard at something, it could be anything. It could be if if you're working on like a huge project, if you're working on like a degree or anything, anything in life and a film, art, things that take years of your life, take your hopes, your, your passion, your blood, your sweat, your tears, losing that for whatever reason, is also a tragedy. It's also a pain. People, you know, fall into depression because they've been kicked off, you know, art projects and movies and had to leave school and stuff like that. So this was such a, a, a confounding and compounding situation. And um, our hearts just went out to Zach at that moment in which, and, you know, at that point, we, we didn't even really care so much about the movie. We set aside and said, we just want Zach to be okay. And um, a couple of days later, you know, he posted the, the first, I felt like the comments in the article to me, they felt like manufactured. It was yeah. definitely, it was a situation that was choreographed to send a message out. And But his first post on Vera after that was what felt unfiltered and yeah. unadulterated. And the post he made, is 100% Snyder because Snyder, he communicates through images. Visually. For him, an image is worth a thousand words. A picture yeah. is worth a thousand words. And he, you know, posted this, you know, amazing Vero uh, post. And we are informed that um, Joss Whedon will be taking over the film. And what we're told was that we'll be still getting Zack Snyder's vision but it would be a, um, it would just be completed by by Joss Whedon. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons why people really didn't care about the film as well, other than that it's of secondary importance. They felt like, okay, we've got to the stage now where Zack's created his film. This person is just going to come in and direct like very, very minimal uh, pickups or, um, you know, and it would all adhere to to the the template that Zach had put out. I, I mean, the exact words from Toby Emmerich were: "The directing is minimal, and it has to adhere to the style and tone and the template that Zach set. We're not introducing any new characters. It's the same characters in some new scenes. He's handing the baton to Just." But the course has really been set by Zach. I still believe that despite this tragedy, we'll still end up with a great movie. Right. And then we we got, um, you know, some interviews from um, cast members and the production team and giving that line as well. And, you know, in hindsight, we know it was all nonsense, but we can understand that under contract and in the run-up to a film coming out, they're going to toe the party line and keep the hype going. But for me, the biggest tell that this was not going to be 
the Zack Snyder film anymore was not even the length of the reshoots because you can do a little bit in a lot of time and you can do a lot in a little bit of time. So that wasn't really the key. The key for me was when Junkie XL, Tom Holkenberg, announced his departure from Justice League. He released a tweet with the caption that says, as my mentor Hans Zimmer told me, you haven't made it in Hollywood as a composer until you get replaced on a project. So I, f so I guess I finally graduated this week. It pains me to leave the project, but a big thanks to Zach for asking me to be part of this vision. And I wish Danny, Joss and Warner Brothers all the best with Justice League. That set alarm bells off for me. First of all, when you're changing a score, which Junkie had already previously, a couple of months prior, said was complete. When you change the score of a film, you're changing its fabric. For me, um, the score of a film is almost like a character. It's an essential component of filmmaking. And when I saw that, and the fact that he says he was replaced on the project set alarm bells off and not just replaced but replaced by who i have nothing against danny elfman i think he's a brilliant composer he's done some of the great works of our of my youth um talking about batman we're talking about spider-man he has been doing some great work in his in his time but he does play towards the nostalgic um, hope and optimism kind of perspective of um, what bloggers and uh, talking heads were asking for at that time that was a big alarm bell for me and I think that's when I knew that you know not Zach's film anymore well for me it had been a run-up to this now one thing about me on Twitter and in my discussions with people is I always take things at face value. I always just look at the facts and I interpret them for what they are. And when Jeff Johns came on, I was a bit uh, suspicious of his intentions, suspicious of what he was gonna do to the DCEU. And the reason why was because the same rhetoric, the same words that bloggers and reviewers and the harshest, most strident and aggressive dissenters of the DCEU had been spouting. Hope, optimism, heroics. He was parroting those words. It doesn't take a rocket scientist <laughs> or a doctor in toxicology. <laughs> <laughs> To, to, to understand that these kind of uh, narratives are not going to be good for the sort of storytelling that we as DCEU fans have been enjoying. And when Jeff Jones used to talk in interviews and, you know, throw those words around, I used to raise it as a concern on Twitter and try to tell the fandom, people this is not good. We need to sort of, you know, raise our voice and remind them that we like the storytelling that Zack Snyder was doing. Yeah. But I got a lot of hate from a lot of people because I decided that I would tell the truth and not sugarcoat things and just talk to the facts. Mm -hmm. 
I got a lot of people who blocked me, muted me, slandered me. And to this day, they're still there. So during this transition time, my suspicious mind was still active, trying to parse out what's true from what's not, what's going on and what's not happening. And once the Junkie XL thing happened, my volume went even louder. And I told people like, this is really, 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 really bad. This is not good because you have you have talked about you know what the score means to a, to a, a film, and one thing is Zach's films are very score driven. Yeah, he's one of the best directors at communicating his tone and communicating ideas and using the score so beautifully. And obviously, that will come from his history as a music director, as mm-hmm. someone who's directed a lot of music videos. Also. Junkie XL is a person who has been on Zach's films since Man of Steel. He was sort of an apprentice to Hans Hans Zimmer Zimmer, on Man of Steel. The Man of Steel score is entirely Hans Zimmer's score. In Batman v Superman, it was more of a 50-50 proposition. I mean, you can argue from the semantics, but they're both credited for the score. So it seemed like it was a smooth transition into Mm -hmm. Junkie XL being the, you know, complete composer of the Justice League score. So when you terminate that... Alarm bells. Alarm bells have to go off. Because you're, you're cutting the story. And also, you're looking at all of the DCU films. All of the composers on those films are apprentices of, of Hans Zimmer. Zimmer. So even Stephen there's, Price, Rupert Gregson Williams, William, they're there, all part of that state. There's stable. a link. It's so so it's it's like a family tree. Yeah. This was you know? a signal of change. This this was a signal of change. Then as you said, the words that he used, there was something in particular that he said. And he said thanks to Zach for asking me to be part of his vision. That phrase his vision immediately let me know that it wasn't Zach's vision. You know, so this was like a huge, huge, huge issue. And, you know, that's one of the the turning points, the seminal moments in this journey. And then, you know, I had been discussing with friends and, you know, just trying to see where Zach was at mentally, you know, how he's doing, how connected or not he is to the project, just, you know, being being mindful of that. And one thing I told people was, I said, let's see what happens around Comic-Con. Because Zach is very, very fond of Comic-Con. He is someone who really appreciates fans. And he's, you know, always says, you know, never miss a whole H. Yeah. Like he's someone who will always, you know, sort of try to contribute as much as a lot of people and it's been sad to see a lot of fan blogs be harsh on Zach. Zach is one of the most given and most conscientious directors when it comes to being a fan because he himself is a fan. He knows what it's like. To I be still us. remember the Batman v Superman announcement at San Epic. Diego Comic Con. You don't want me to tell you what the movie is about. That's like, right? You love movies, so like you want to go and see the movie. But, but, I can, you know, I can say that maybe there's a single element 
that's in the film, that will be in the film, that we could, I don't know, that I could help you out with. And so I was thinking about how to do that, like how could I do that, and I sort of poured through the DC universe to look for a way to tell this thing. Like Zach, Zach knows how to give the fans, you know, what they what they want and what they need. So, and so, yeah. in in the run up to this, I said, Zach, at least has to. If if it's still Zach's movie, he will make an appearance at at SDCC, just to show support. You know, even though he can't be on the movie, just to show support. And if not, then. He'll, he'll do something, you know, and we have to pay attention to that. And San Diego Comic Con came and no Zach. Zach didn't post anything. He didn't do anything. The only thing he did was responded to Ray Fisher standing up for my shouting him out with the I Love ZS t shirt. Yeah. You know, he, he, you know, responded in kind. I love RF. You know, so um, so that's that's yeah. basically the run up. The run up. Now, Ooh. sorry if we've depressed you all. It's gonna get better. Trust me. We've just got one more piece of depressing <laughs> news to go, and that was what happened during the film. So I'll give you my experience the night I watched Justice League for the first time. I watched it on a Thursday night, midnight preview. I went with my sister, big fans, um, and we'd also seen Batman v Superman together, so we went to see Justice League, and I can't really express um, the feelings I had during the film, 
because it was just so confusing. The only ex the only feeling I can remember was a feeling of disgust that I had to sit next to my younger sister watching the incredible um, Diane Lane and the incredible Amy Adams exchange a piece of dialogue which I found revolting and then to see Ezra Miller in a very compromised position on top of Gal Gadot again revolting embarrassing um, that, that's the only feeling I can remember during the film I remember coming home I sat on my bed it was like two o'clock in the morning I didn't tweet I didn't post or anything I just sat on my bed in the dark for about two hours trying to contemplate what I'd just seen I knew that was not a Zack Snyder film I felt confused I felt hurt so how about how about your experiences my experience is slightly different but largely the same so for me because the alarm bells had been going for me for for over a year ever since jeff johns and toby emmerich came up and i was hearing about hope and optimism and bloggers went to you know the set and people like devin farachi and people like peter Scratchy or Scratchy, whatever his name is. I, I'm sorry. I apologize. Don't, I don't know don't how apologize to apologize <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce his name. But um, but after you know they were talking about they were all the things they were saying, you know, about the film and you know Junkie XL, you know, being you know taken off the project and Joe Sweden doing extensive reshoots. In my mind, I had already come to grips with the fact that it was not going to be a good movie. I was not going in with high expectations. I was not going in excited at all. So when I saw it, it was jarring because there were parts of it that I liked and parts of it that I disliked. So after I saw it, I had a discussion with a friend and said, oh, it was okay, you know, for a Justice League movie, blah, blah, blah. I think even just hours after that, I started to absolutely hate it when I started to think on everything and I just started to piece things together and the way Superman, the first thing is I'm a huge Superman fan, that's my character, that's my guy. And he was completely destroyed in this film. And it was so frustrating because every single thing that we had fought against in terms of a very basic two-dimensional, non-dramatic, non-true to the comics, but nostalgic donor like Superman they'd finally done on the big screen this is a Superman that a lot of people who had uh, wrong opinions about Man of Steel and Batman v Superman this is what they had asked for and even in the marketing they were marking it in it like um, like a super friends like super friends and stuff like that it was just it was terrible yeah. it was cringe it was terrible and it was as as good as I felt after seeing Man of Steel. I'm proud to be a Superman fan because my my whole story with with the whole you know way that Zack Snyder has told these Superman stories is that I've been a Superman fan all my life, and my brother is a Batman fan, and a lot of my friends, obviously, everybody's a Batman fan, you know, apart from me. Um, forget Batman, <laughs> and everybody in popular consciousness sees the donor Superman 
you know, this popular... Adventures of Exactly, Lewis of and Lewis and Clark. But um, it's this sort of two-dimensional, happy-go-lucky character. Meanwhile, Batman has had some more sort of dramatic, in-depth, uh, more artistic, more rich storytelling. And so everybody's been like, oh, Batman is the best. And I argue with people so much that you don't understand Superman is also good like he insists on people like oh no everything's too easy for him he's always smiling he's always happy and I'm like no it's not like that he's just you know like a good guy you know and you finally got uh, finally with Man of Steel I, I, and you know people agree people are like okay you know what you're right like you know Superman can be dramatic he can be this Batman v Superman he can have death he can go through struggles and, and triumph and all that stuff and what Justice League did was completely reverse that course and completely destroy the character and just degrade him. And he went back to being, you know, a character that wasn't taken seriously and nobody really loved and, and it enjoyed as much as he should have. And that was very, very depressing for me. So that is the end of the first part of this uh, journey. The origins let's say the prequel of the release the snyder cut movement we couldn't really get into the movement without reflecting on how the movement was born so now we're going to move into the next part which is the birth of the snyder cut movement so now we come to the birth of the movement um the very next day after the majority of people saw it on the 17th, the very next day was something monumental. We got leaks from a hero called Ascended Ancient. And he is ascended, whoever he is. <laughs> he, is, he, is a, he is a hero, honestly. He really gave us something to hold on yeah he leaked it was hard the, proof he was hard evidence he leaked six or seven videos with some completed some with previews some with post viz i'm not exactly a specialist on the intricacies of uh, vfx but they were watchable mm -hmm. um, no sound mm -hmm. but very watchable and um they included things like iris west being involved in a collision and the flash coming to save her there's actually a little part from that video that was in one of the trailers as well where mm -hmm. he pokes his finger through the glass there was the another one with um so with, with cyborg with cyborg and his first flight um so and there was a lot yeah you're right there was a lot with cyborg because there was ones where you were seeing into his eyes where he was looking into some kind of matrix or, or something like that so there was these videos that had come out and they were immediately taken down they were gone but some of us of course you know once nothing things, dies on the internet <laughs> exactly once something appears online that's it you cannot kill it so some of us managed to get hold of it uh, there's some heroes that provided me with copies as well in higher in a high res and thank god for those because we we would be talking about pure speculation in those early days we needed everything we could get mm -hmm. and yeah we we got that and then three days later november 21st 
and you could call it a kind of birth of a, of a movement. We had an epic tweet from MovieBuff100, which was just a hashtag, release the Snyder, the Snyder Cut. And that took fire. And, you know, any movement or any kind of culture is defined by its identity, by symbols, by, you know, ideas. You can't kill an idea. We watched V for Vendetta the other day, and there's a lot of like importance placed on symbolism. And we have our symbols. We have our hashtags. You know, no matter what you do, you've got that hashtag. You push that out. That is all of us. You know, we aren't Chris or Lupe or Fiona or we are release the Snyder Cut, right? So we are defined by this hashtag. And, you know, shout out to Movie Buff. He caught that snappy slogan and it's stuck and it's been on the up and up since then. So a few days later, we had a petition actually come out. Uh, Zack Snyder fan created a petition demanding the director's cut of Zack Snyder's Justice League to have also Tom Hulkenberg, a Junkie XL score. Um, and this petition took off like wildfire. At its closing, it managed to get 180,000 signatures. That is truly incredible because you've got to remember that for every one person that participates in something you're going to have hundreds that also support but just don't participate and we've seen and we you know we've experienced that ourselves in twitter events and, and such i know many people who support the release of the snyder cut but they do not really actively participate generally so but they would pay to watch it. Mm -hmm. So seeing that number right there, 180,000 for me is, is, uh, it's incredible. And, you know, I remember, I remember this uh, petition going around at the time. I signed it. I'm sure you signed it as well. And uh, yeah, that is, that was a very important moment as well because yeah, that because, got a lot of coverage. Because, yeah. And it's, it's signaled to us that, you know, we're not alone. Yeah. Because one thing that we have come to find out over the years with a lot of the negative narrative that, you know, has been labeled on DC films or on Zack Snyder or on the things that we love is that it tends to be a vocal minority. There are a lot of people who love these things, who want these stories. Uh, and they may not have, you know, the same platform. They may not be media people, yeah. but, you know, um, they're there. And the hashtag, the petition, you know, gaining that momentum very quickly, immediately, even when people really had just a bit of information, yeah. not as much information as we have now, you know, for that to happen was a clear and strong signal. And, uh, I mean, we're going to discuss more. I you mean, can see that. It, it sent shockwaves through through the uh, through the studio and people were really paying attention to yeah, it because there absolutely. was a response to it. And there was actually firings at that period of time as well. I think uh, Joss Whedon, who was initially intended to to do Batgirl, 
was removed from there, if that ever was going to happen. Um, Jeff Johns was soon after ousted. Um, there John, was, Berg. John Berg was ousted. So uh, it, it made an impact. And then rumours started circulating online that there was a cut. I mean, you know, there's rumours and there's rumours. And you kind of start getting an idea of which rumours are which sources of rumours are more reliable than others. And there was, particularly on DC Cinematic, there was some initial indication that there actually is a Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. And obviously online, we have our communities, we have our connections. It's very easy to talk to people online in positions that are in the know, let's say. And you can ascertain what's true and what's not. You can start to build your own picture in your mind. Um, it's important not to just accept everything. But if things make sense and dovetail, you can then put those in, in a kind of uh, a narrative or a story. And then when things start being uh, replicated elsewhere from more reliable sources, then you know that you've got something here there's something real about this thing the film exists how how much of it exists or to what degree it's finished that's all up in the air and to be honest it's not really important to me it never has been important mm -hmm. the the thing that's important is that the film exists because then you have a, a foundation to fight from and this is the kind of discussions we've been having online. And, you know, um, just to to reiterate what we've had to fight against these past couple of years. I, I just have a personal anecdote of an interaction with John Campier a few days after um, I'd heard some information. Um, and he was so dismissive and so, you know that he's got friends and he's lucky enough to be f friends with people who are on the production and they know and they've told him in no uncertain terms that there is no cut. And, and just none of this makes any sense when you actually have all of the information. And lo and behold, a few years later, we find out there is a film. It does exist. But the, the reason why I raise this is because it's important to, to remember what we've had to fight against these all these years. It's been a battle, an everyday struggle in the trenches mm -hmm. online, every day. It's been a beautiful struggle. And, you know, one of the another big piece of information was when Fiona on in November time had a, shared with us an interaction she had with, with Zach. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, this interaction... Uh was very important because up to this point, we hadn't really heard Zack Snyder's verdict on the film because it could be a situation where Zack Snyder gave the go-ahead for all these changes. Yeah. So then know. why, exactly. So then why would you fight for a Snyder cut if the one in the theaters is the cut that he wants? Yeah. You know, but Zack said to uh, Fiona, he said, I'll be honest, I have not seen the film since I stepped away. That lit a fire under so many people because that was our indication that an injustice had been done and that the Justice League film, its existence as it was, as a Frankenstein monster chopped and screwed, uh, regurgitated, Marvel-esque copy 
of something that was supposed to be great was not supposed to exist. And so that lit a fire under a lot of people. And uh, Fiona goes goes on, you know, in, in a few more uh, days to talk about the state of the Snyder Cup. And people are, you know, trying to ascertain whether there is something to fight for. And she said, look, it's almost done. At least, at least 80% with uh, post-production, uh, you know. And also she said that Junkie score was completed which he which, told which us he said which he told us ago. a long time ago but people <laughs> forgot somehow for some reason yeah you know um but you know that that again because fiona is someone we all looked up to at that time um especially after her interactions with zach we trusted fiona in very much yeah. implicitly and hearing that from her again re-energized us re-energized the movement she had to bear so much responsibility in those early days and honestly it's it's incredible what she did for us and i guess now is as good a time as any to give you all a little surprise hello everybody it's fiona here we have come a long way together thank you for fighting for zach and his creative vision i believe the real Just League is closer than ever. Thank you to everybody who is sending me the lovely wishes. I hope to see you all soon. Release the Snyder Cut. That's absolutely incredible just to hear Fiona's voice. Fiona is about the most powerful force that mm -hmm. started this movement. I mean, it started with other people. Someone else started the hashtag. Um, You've done an incredible job. There's so many people, you know, carrying it forward at this at this time. But in terms of organizing the fandom and just being a voice, like Definitely. she carried the torch mm -hmm. pretty much solo dolo for <laughs> so long. Yeah. And we miss her dearly. Um, we know that, you know, everybody has, you know, their lives to deal with and their lives to go back to. So um, we're very, you know, happy that she is, you know, doing well and she's she's okay and she's living her life and we know you know that her uh hiatus from the fandom is just temporary she'll yeah, be back she'll be back she'll be yeah. back soon. and it's it's so good to hear her voice and that that gives me like so much hope and so so much energy to just you know carry on what do you think yeah well obviously i spoke to her a couple of times uh, in the last few weeks she's doing good um she she will be back soon um, she just needs a bit of, bit more time, but keep sending the wishes, keep saying your prayers if if that's your thing, and she'll she'll be back soon, stronger than ever, and ready to keep fighting the fight. Yeah, the good fight. Yeah. So, and then um, a few weeks later, we had some news from a different source. There was a guest on Kevin Smith's podcast, and she said that she was at. A screening of an early version of the film. I promised them I went talk today, but um, yeah, lots <laughs> of that stuff was in there. <laughs> that's the version that you saw. Fuck, I saw man. that, and I saw the other version too. The one that's out now. Yes. And in terms of seeing them both, what do you think? Um, I like the first one better. I mean, at least it's all one vision, right? Mm -hmm. that's, again, they should put out that fucking movie. Uh, changed. Superman joins the fight and teams up with the league to defeat Steppenwolf. However, at one point, Steppenwolf tries to tempt Superman into joining his army. Ready for this? This made me so fucking angry. 
and we see Darkseid for the first time in Superman's vision, and we see flashes of the nightmare footage that Batman had in Batman v Superman. However, Superman snaps back out of it and delivers the final blow to defeat Steppenwolf. Was that in the version you saw? You saw Darkseid? Yes, there was a dark side in there. What did it look like? Kind of like the finish, but not really. Not like, fully finished. No, like Fuck. dressed in a suit, kind of. God damn it. He's a lucky person. <laughs> I wish I was her. But again, that's more hope that um, we as a community grasped onto. And while this is going on, in mid-January, a website is born. ForSnyderCut.com. It was originally .org, now it's .com. It went live, it was created by Fiona Zeng. But I think you have a bit of insight into this uh, into, into this, this website because having known you for the last few, um, few months, I've kind of grasped your sensibilities. And then I revisit this website, I'm thinking, you know what, this has got a lot of Lupe's fingerprints on it. Why don't you tell us about how this website came about? <laughs> so, um, F- Fiona, Fiona and I were like best pals on, and and we still are, you know. Forever, she'll be, you know, have a special place in my heart. And on top of all the things she was doing for the community, you know, like being the face of, you know, all our hopes and our dreams, and being sort of like our ambassador. She was like the fan ambassador. <laughs> to Zack Snyder she wanted to build this website to you know coordinate all our activities have you know all our be a repository of information Mm -hmm. um, so that you know we can easily you know instead of searching through Twitter or just trying to and not just us for anybody anybody, who's interested because you know our minds are brilliant tools you know, I can think of a, an um, an article from THR. I can think of an article from Deadline. I can think of an article that someone wrote on their own blog. I can think of a tweet someone posted, mm-hmm. and I can bring all that information together mm-hmm. and have a picture. Mm-hmm. But, but not everybody not has, has those that. pieces yeah. of information. Yeah. So a place to collect all of that, where people could just you know refer to. Uh, vital. It was. It was a vital. A, very ambitious project. She is not a professional website maker, <laughs> and she threw herself wholeheartedly into it. Uh, I'm glad that you know I was there to support her because obviously she needed you know it to be in English so it could you know reach this audience. She also needed you know like to plan you know like the pathways where information will be located, the best things that belong in, in different places. And to me, it was just like I. I, I can't take any credit for it and I don't want to because it was just amazing seeing this person like working so hard on this thing and just being so passionate about it and I was just happy to support her, to encourage her to be her sounding board, her translator, help her organize things and help her put things you know where they should be and it was absolutely brilliant. You know, it's gone through different iterations to be where it is now to make sure that the, the software and technology, you know, was proper. But I mean, for her to to have set that up, it was just it was it was mind blowing. And to, only to witness the birth of it. And only one month later, the the website Fiona, with your help, 
created in mid-February a curious image appears and it is an image of dark side on a throne and earth um, being subjugated to some form of explosion mm -hmm. um, I will guess where that came from <laughs> <laughs> I think the cat's out of the bag on that one um, this, but, this was, but this this was, was the like first... the first of, of Zach's, Zach's epic storyboard yes it was the first one the first of many it actually dovetails into what the lady on Kevin Smith's podcast said it, it was a confirmation that Dark side was in the film. Yes. And yeah, and that lit a fire under me personally because at that point I was not involved in the movement. I had zero um, interaction other than, you know, pleasantries. Mm. That, and you don't want to overdo sending messages to mm. people like Fiona because they have a lot of responsibility at that time. Mm -hmm. So I very rarely uh, spoke to Fiona, but this image lit a fire under me. Um, I have a history in campaigning. I have a familial history in protest. I have been brought up in an environment um, where protest and speaking for the oppressed has been very important. I am a fan of radical thinking. I'm a fan of radical movements and I see their value in many people coming together for one cause. So I started thinking about how we could use our numbers because we, we're a lot of people. Even if you discount the 180,000 that signed a petition, you're not going to get all of them. But you, there were still thousands of us online. So... I contacted Fiona on Vero, and it was my very first interaction with her. I just said, Fiona, I have this idea. Maybe we can all um, gather together. If you get everyone together, because everyone looks to you, and we can all tweet on the same day. That day was the 17th of May, which was the six-month anniversary of our injustice um, she was so positive. She got back to me. I said, listen, Fiona, I know you've got a lot on your plate. Let me make a poster or whatever, yeah. and, and then you can share it with everyone. Yeah. I don't want, you know, to, to do anything more. I'll leave it to you, and then let's all, you know, get together and let's do it. So we did it. It trended with something like 14,000 tweets. Um which was very impressive. Um, it was trending in many countries around the world and the positivity got going and it was like a, I think it woke a lot of people up, you know, outsiders especially, saying six months and these people still haven't got over it. You know, we made the noise that day and that was very important. And that was actually the beginning of... My relationship with Fiona, who I've become very close with over the last uh, 18 months since then. Um, we, in those initial days, like the first six months after that, we would talk every day strategizing, like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And she would come up with ideas and she, she wanted to do another kind of 
Twitter get together, but to celebrate films rather than protesting ones that we lost. So there was a narrative that Zack Snyder fans were not DC fans. So we kind of tried to lay that to rest as well. Like we shared all of our DC memorabilia online with photos and things like that. Then we did a series of uh, Twitter events. The Man of Steel um, celebration. We did then the BVS Twitter campaign, celebrating all the things that we love about BVS and highlighting some of the positive reviews that the film got from fans and from some from some journal journalists and reviewers as well. Then we did our kind of. Um, we, we, we shook it up a bit and we wanted to champion David Ayer's vision of, um, of Suicide Squad. And we should always remember that our fight for artistic integrity does not end with the Snyder Cut. If we truly believe what we're saying, we have to fight for all forms of artistic injustice. And that, that's why um, I found it important to, to highlight the call for the release of David Ayer's Cut of Suicide Squad as well. And then that brings us on to the following week, which we did the perhaps the most important campaign of them all, because it wasn't just about a film, it was about trying to raise money for an important cause. Um, in this group was um, Robert Carlin, Sylvia, Fiona... Um, forgive me if I've forgotten anyone, um, but there was a group of us in there and I think it was Sylvia who came up with the idea to try and help raise money for charity. So we said donate $5 to the AFSP um, and then post five pictures of Wonder Woman uh, from either Wonder Woman or from Batman v Superman. And it was a bit slow to begin with. But at the end of the day, um, this drive was really worth it because we we raised over $1,600 for the AFSP in one day without any big help from any bloggers or any websites. You know, even people with a platform that could have helped didn't really support us. But... What we did was really important. We made a difference and it, it kind of kicked off this this trend of um, marrying the Release the Snyder Cut movement with the um, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which, you know, which is important for obvious reasons to this community. And that is where the first one, Man of Steel, I came into contact for the first time with our first guest, the most incredible artist in this movement, in my opinion. Um, he works harder than anyone I know. Every single day this guy churns out art. And now, I'm going to introduce to you all to Ramesh Nesilvah. It is my pleasure to introduce you to the heart of the fandom because we know this is all about art and um, we have been fighting for artistic integrity, creative freedom and what is a fight for art without one of the best artists in the fandom, Ramesh De Silva, my friend. Hey everyone. 
So we're here to to celebrate our two years fighting for this cut, and basically, I'm just want to share with everybody how um, how we got introduced to each other and how did your journey start. Tell us a bit about how you became involved in this fight for the Snyder Cup. For me, Chris, uh, I mean, I, I had seen uh, uh, Dawn of the Dead, but I didn't know about Zack. But when I when it came to 300, the first time I saw the trailer, I, I really it blew up, blew my mind. So I I wanted to know who's doing this, and <laughs> then really uh, uh, into what this man is doing and capable of. So um, then, from that uh, time onwards, I've, I've like really been a big fan of Zack Snyder. So after 300, like I, I love 300. I, I think uh, even more than Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, I've watched 300 the most. I think. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we we have we have very similar um, <laughs> introductions to Zack because. Yeah. I, I also was um, kind of saw Dawn of the Dead and didn't know who this guy was. And actually, the original Dawn of the Dead is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. So I was really, um, uh, really nervous when I heard about this remake, but I was thoroughly impressed. And then, you know, you forget about these things and... I, I went and saw 300 and I thought, wow, I have to find out who this guy is. And it was the same guy who made Dawn of the Dead and I was, I've been hooked ever since, same as you. Yeah, because that, that first sequence uh, that he did for Dawn of the Dead was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I had forgotten about it. After I saw 300, I went back and watched it and I remembered why it was so good. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, after 300, I like I kept on uh, uh, watching all of his stuff. Uh, but I think the next like big thing that sort of uh, I never expected was Man of Steel. I think uh, I expected a superhero movie, but that first sequence on Krypton sort of I. At the end of the Krypton sequence, I was, I it felt like I had finished a movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I, I think I got my worth of uh, the ticket that I bought uh, <laughs> at that, yeah, the end of that sequence because it was so rich the the um, the production the the design of like the. Uh, the design of Krypton from the technology that you, they used, it was like far ahead of anything that we had seen on any of the other movies. So yeah, he, he built mean, he built a he built a world, but he also built a culture. Like we yeah. we kind of got our a kind of real good look at what Kryptonian culture really could be, um, even to the finest of details, like the color of the undersuit worn by different uh, families is truly stunning. I think, I mean, that was 
those little things like i mean the, his art department is out of this world so i enjoyed it i looked forward uh, when when batman with superman was announced i i was over the moon so i was uh, waiting for that for a long time so after uh, i watched that i was um, thrilled with it but there was some sort of negativity at that time i saw like uh, things come up on like the internet more than i mean because i wasn't involved in social media at that time as well so um i saw like articles and things like yeah the the reaction to bvs was um was ri- was ridiculous it, it kind of it went beyond social media and film circles it it kind of it transcended into regular life and yeah. it was it was quite something else it was it, it it was a storm like i've never seen before like you i wasn't really i was on twitter but i never really um got involved in film twitter or anything like that i i've always been a film fan but um i just enjoyed watching films and talking about them with my friends what happened uh, post bvs that was was a real uh, phenomenon really because i really didn't understand because here zack was trying to do something a little different give mm-hmm. something a little more flavor uh, put some sort of thought into it but it uh, it was it was what uh, jonathan kent said to clark he says people are afraid of what they don't understand and then in bvs martha says people hate what they don't understand <laughs> i find that really interesting and i mean that reaction i i i, I think that sort of flipped me i was like a, a casual fan you know mm-hmm. uh, but that reaction that sort of people were sort of so against it and sort of almost telling everyone not to go and see sort of thing so um that really sort of bugged me yeah but um but okay so it passed and things happened and uh, justice league was announced and so um i looked forward to that as well um then you know what happened so <laughs> even i was hopeful i i still thought okay this he has done most of the work uh okay maybe he this guy is just touching up and finishing it off i was hopeful so um i went to the i think we uh, i went on uh, thursday night there was a screening the first day so I went for the screening very hopeful sat <laughs> down and i the first time i, I saw that wb logo i it's i thought there's something wrong with this yeah. because usually you know right that stylizes his uh, warner brothers logo yeah <laughs> he he always does something right even the trailers had that little uh, wintry sort of like cold ice cold look yeah, to it yeah it was it, it was in his first uh, 
first trailer it had the the white it was just very white on a on a black background yeah. wasn't it yeah yeah and then all of a sudden <laughs> we were faced with something else at the time i i was like i wanted the movie so i was waiting for that okay because dc had like previously i think like a year or two back they had a different logo then they changed the logo so they they still they're still trying to figure out what that doing um so i didn't make a big uh, it wasn't problem for me but when it came to the wb logo i knew something was wrong mm-hmm. and then, um, how things were shot and things were like really going here and there it, it sort of didn't make sense and that um whole mood the feel that was there in even the trailers Mm-hmm. so i mean when i came back uh, i came back home at that time only i got onto bro yeah <laughs> because i i knew that there's something wrong here <laughs> <laughs> so after that i i got up to speed and you know i uh, i didn't know about the the snider cut and all of that at that time so So when did you start hearing the first rumblings of um the possibility of a of a different um version of the film um when did you begin to kind of get involved in kind of fighting for this uh this unique vision The thing is I I heard that um Zack had sort of not quit but uh, Uh, gone off of Twitter and had gone to Vero. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what Vero was, but I installed it on my phone and started using it. Um, then I, I mean, it, it was unusual. There were a lot of artists and art being shared. So I thought, okay, I also like this sort of stuff, especially Batman. So I'll do mm-hmm. some Batman artwork and put it on there. And, um, slowly i think i i listened to uh, one of the first people that i listened to was chris chris from nelson mhm yeah he was speaking about the snider cut and i saw some uh, articles as well so i was hopeful that there's something there uh, behind the scenes uh, and uh, I, after i followed zack um I kept on uh, tagging him on all my artwork. <laughs> uh, I think uh, finally I I did some work and uh, actually I think he shared some image of Flash mm-hmm. uh, and I did some stuff with it and I uh, posted it on Vero and I think uh, uh, Rob Carlin. Yes, yes. He tagged uh, Zach and I think him. Um, giving me sort of shout out and um, after that i uh, think i uh, went somewhere and i came back took my phone and i saw zack snyder had followed you <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a feeling isn't it when yeah. when you see that message <laughs> yeah so, um that was interesting and then so i i kept on doing stuff i did the sc logo and mm-hmm. um, that's sort other of stuff so 
he kept on liking uh, the work that I was doing. Yeah, so you mentioned the SC logo and and really that's where kind of uh, we became familiar with each other. Um, oh, I, at the time, was preparing some kind of Twitter campaigning with Fiona and, and actually Robert Carlin as well. And uh, one of the events we were planning was a kind of a celebration of Man of Steel. It was in June of 2018, I think. Yeah. And one of the ideas, I think Robert had it, it was, well, why don't we all change our um, our Twitter avis to a kind of Justice League, a Snyder Cut kind of image for, for 24 hours? And... I said, yes, sounds like a great idea. Have you got any in mind? And and Robert, you know, mentioned the SC logo, which I had seen around, and it was a brilliant idea. So I think that was when I I sent you a message on on Vero, and it's been uh, it's been campaigning ever since, haven't we? <laughs> so that was that was our introduction, and you, you've done loads and loads of work. For the movement i mean the the hours you must spend um yeah so uh, how, how i i don't know i mean my um the way i work is a little different because what i do is i start with the idea and sort of do a um, bit of work here and there whenever i have time so mm-hmm. i don't do something like um from start to finish in one go. Yeah. So it takes uh, days or weeks or mm. whatever. Just when I have some time, I just do these things and I... So you have um, loads of projects going on at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, actually, I have a lot of stuff that I haven't completed. So sometimes you start something and in the middle of it, you feel it. Work, well, so, yeah. well um, everything you've done has been really inspiring, really helpful to the movement. Um, you've done so much. So you have done work on the letter writing campaign that, that we ran uh, in 2018. You did that wonderful uh, yeah, cyborg image where, he's, where the league are looking at the map. Um, yeah. of the world that was stunning uh, you did the phone call campaign posters with um, you know all the uh, all the times from Man of Steel and BVS where people are talking on phones and you made yeah. the great image for that but you've done like work on you've done work on the um, San Diego Comic Con uh, with all the billboards and the bus shelters and the leaflets and so much work and also again with me with with the um, New York Comic Con the digital billboard one little idea that I had and you created these um, 2D models and then we collaborated with the wonderful Chris Dawson who animated them and that was on Times Square New York on on that Saturday of uh, New York Comic Con, and the whole world saw it. It must be quite something to see your artwork um, all over I the think, world like that. Uh, how, what kind of feeling do you get 
um, you must you must feel very proud of the work you've done. I think I'm 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 really proud of the the people who are like day in and day out. Sort of, I mean, you there there are so many others like me and um, Abdul and Gerardo and all of these people. I, I can't name all of them, but everyone. So, I mean, they are all putting so much of effort. I think the the biggest strength we have is the community. Uh, even mm-hmm. though there are people who sort of always put a negative spin on the um, Snyder Cut community, I think it's it's completely positive. Uh, that's I think that's the the greatest thing I I see. They are all fighting for something that I mean people see an injustice. It's mm-hmm. very ironic uh, that the Justice League movies. Uh, had has become sort of a big injustice to the to the director, to the people who work uh, on the movie, to the fans, everyone. It's an it's an incredible irony, isn't it? The yeah. that the Justice League film is the biggest sense of artistic injustice that we've had in uh, in modern times. It's yeah. crazy, but yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, our strength. Our strength is in our numbers. Um, it's in the number of talented individuals, but also the the soldiers, the people who work hard, and even the people who just lend their their retweets or their tweets. Um, just simple, small little things. If everyone can do a tiny little thing, combined all together, those little things all amount to something massive and that is definitely our strength. I actually wanted to also um, mention artist Snyder Cut. They, I mean, um, that whole idea of bringing everyone together was like really... Yeah. And I, I wish uh, they had done it earlier. Mm-hmm. But it came at the right time, I guess. But and it really sort of, um, I think everyone who's interested in it and are real fans mm-hmm. got together and sort of came together there. So I yeah. think, yeah. So yeah, you're right. We we had a bit of a difficult time in that period. But what artists Snyder Cut managed to do, and I think you're you're one of the first people that pointed it out to me. Um, the, the that account was the um was the way it managed to get all the different factions of the of the movement and brought us all together and and it was a really um really powerful tool to have and to the people behind RT Snyder Cut as well. They yeah. they deserve a lot of praise and and uh, and thanks. But um, yeah, you do a lot of work for them as well. You do a lot of artwork that they share um, every day. <laughs> every day I wake up in the morning, I see uh, another piece of artwork from Ramesh the Silver. I'm like, how the hell does this boy do so much? <laughs> yeah, not recently. I've been a little uh, preoccupied with a few other things. But yeah, I, I try to... Um, 
at least share something because some of the things that I've been sharing like uh, recently are like really old stuff mm-hmm. and I still see people saying this is amazing I uh, so lots lots of people haven't seen like the old older um, images there's a lot of new members and um, it's it's really great to see new blood in the movement and they get to see all of the the great artwork that you've done in the past so it's it's great but again we we couldn't do we couldn't have half the success we've had without um without you ramesh you you have gone way beyond um what anyone would consider reasonable your the time you've put in the energy the hard work i know what you do behind the scenes as well and i just want to say thank you thank you very much for everything you've done and let's hope that we don't have too much more to do (laughs) that was an amazing profile of Ramesh who's been very uh, instrumental to sort of our He's helped visualize a lot of our ideas, yeah. you know, and it's made these iconic images, riffing off of the iconic images that Zach has has made. And he mentioned uh, RT Snyder Cut, uh, which is an account on Twitter. And that's something that, you know, we haven't talked much about. It's, it's been a very, very instrumental. Uh, oh, the times they are.